0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network
1: Go on go on, go on. Sometimes longer isn't better So if you're looking for a fantasy NFL game That doesn't last all season Try Paddy Power Fantasy Every game week is a season in itself Try it for free on our super short, super free contest On this Sunday's 6pm games The top 1,500 customers in the contest win a prize With £1,000 for first place Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team Paddy Power Fantasy Hate waiting, love winning Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply 18+. Begumbleaware.org
0: Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs show presented by Paddy Power. Fantasy, good to have you with us in week three, almost in the bag. The small matter of Monday night football coming up a little bit later on. We'll get into that on Wednesday's show with I and Mike, but we're focusing our attention on everything that went down at the weekend and so much to get into, not least the rise of the backup quarterback. So many number twos stepping up. And taking center stage, we'll let you know how they got on and which teams without their starters are looking more likely to keep contending as a result. The great Greg Brady drops by very soon to get into all the big stories uh, from around the NFL this weekend. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at The NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Alex, Tom and the guys keeping that rolling seven days a week to so get stuck in there. Lots of extra content on there as well i mentioned wednesday show that's me and i and mike going old school uh we have a show on friday as well and our saturday fantasy show daily fantasy show so you want to get involved with paddy power fantasy that is the place uh to get your inside skinny and get your game on search uh, paddy power fantasy on google uh to get involved with that right terrific stuff we're going to get things on the road and check in with the great greg brady Greg Brady, good to have you on, man. Week three in the bag already. I can't. Where does the time go, my friend? Where does the where does the go? time?
1: And you've got fourteen more Sunday night to Monday morning transitions to go to pull to pull off the life that you lead with games starting at one a.m. and ending around four. Th- I, I think it's bad on the East Coast. We got to move to the West <laughs> Coast of Canada, the United States, Vancouver, Los Angeles, Portland. There's got to be a better we'll way to do this. work on it
0: and take care of business in the off-season. <laughs> I've already been for a 14-kilometer run. That's how I handle it, Greg Brady. So I'm raring to go. Um, let's start with Sunday Night Football then, seeing as we're uh, talking about the wee small hours over here anyway. Uh, and the Rams taking it uh, to improve to 3-0 and wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination. Neither team really living up to... Uh, what we think they're capable of, uh, and of course, uh, a game that uh, has meant that Freddie Kitchens, the Cleveland Browns' head coach, under fire once again. When he got the gig, I think there were people that were sceptical about whether he was the kind of player that could take the step up, uh, kind of coach that could take the step up uh, to a head coaching role. And uh, there was the fourth down call in that when uh, the Browns were still very much in it. Uh, that is. Uh, had quite a lot of negative attention. So did Freddie Kitchens throw this one away for Cleveland, do you think?
1: Well, he didn't help. And, and he was a big factor in the defeat, the play calling. And, and I can't even believe we're here now with all the promise of the Cleveland Browns after three games. We knew they had a tough early schedule, but kind of gifted a win in week two on Monday night against the Jets. And yet here we are at one and two and Baker Mayfield saying, don't blame the play calling. Uh, Freddie Kitchens is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking myself about certain play calls. And you referenced that fourth and nine draw play. The, the, the history shows, the numbers show that play hasn't been called. That down and distance or running play hasn't been called on a play of, of that nature in 16 seasons. And there's a lot of fired and retired NFL coaches who are like, really, I, I lost my job and I didn't call a play like that. So <laughs> right. there's pressure on Freddie Kitchens. And Let's I love the that whole in, in like, hey, though, put it so all just... on me. Blame me. I can take it. Don't blame our players. Don't blame the other coaches. We are blaming you. We are blaming you through three <laughs> games. And <laughs> right. it's got to get better before it gets worse, Nat. Uh, at San Francisco, at Baltimore, at New England, all in the next four weeks.
0: Not why they wanted to be at all, of course. And maybe that a lot to do with the preseason hype. And believing that that hype, a little bit just on that play call just to put it in context It was a difficult situation difficult field position right and uh uh the, the critical thing was what well, they were four points down i think with 10 minutes to go it was a fourth and nine uh, they couldn't kick a field goal that was out of range and of course the punt wasn't going to work either but it was the the fact that he called that was he trying to outfake McVay? Do you think what was he thinking i mean can you apply any kind of logic to to why yeah. he called that play
1: yeah a really tricky one to uh, to figure out. but yeah, given given where they were and given where the ball had moved to, you're still talking at that time also, I think we got to remember that's a 17-13 game, not necessarily a 20 to 13 game. Yep. So really tricky to to think you're at the Rams 40. I, I get it it's too far it's too long a field goal so you're not considering that 57 yards uh, with a little bit of swirling wind conditions were actually pretty decent given some of the rain around the NFL but i don't i don't have a clue uh, and, and let's face it the rams got great field position that was a pretty costly 3 points it's th- they still needed a touchdown so maybe that was part of the logic that a field goal only means we need a touchdown to tie not a touchdown to win and and i'll tell you another thing we don't know the browns knocking at the at the at the door they had what four plays from the the 4 yard line we don't know that had they scored maybe they go for two that late in front of that crowd put the rams defense back are you are you risking the chances in overtime you've got enough left in a game that was exhausting for both teams but there's a lot of onus on the Browns and and that I can't tell what the Browns the Browns optimism coming into this season was partially what they were doing and what they were about but it was also a changing of the guard in Pittsburgh and now mm-hmm. the Big Ben injury no Antonio Brown back Le'Veon Bell gone uh there was the thought that the Steelers were more vulnerable than ever that Cincinnati was uh, a downtrodden team yep. so the only x-factor was how Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were going to play but this next week uh clearly what a critical game they're at Baltimore on yeah. uh, on the Sunday afternoon. Maybe just a critical 1 o'clock game to not fall two games behind the Ravens.
0: Yeah, they've got the Ravens next week, as you say. And then they've got the 49ers who are looking in, in pretty fine fettle, the Seahawks, then the Patriots. I mean, things could get pretty ugly. The Browns season could be done and dusted by uh, the end of October, probably. But I guess uh, looking on the bright side, things could start to gel as well, and they win uh, two or three of those games. A statement wins they'd be as well. They'd be right back in it, And as you say, the North is uh, is winnable, very winnable division. Well, I think
1: you're hoping. I think you're hoping. I think Browns fans, I would hope they'd have the logic and the wherewithal to sign up, uh, for four and four. Take three of the next five games, get to four and four, and then you're really going to have to make, uh, make work done on the last half of your schedule and, and look at their home games, really. Uh, Buffalo, you should beat them. I know the Bills are out of the gate in a hurry. The Steelers have to beat them in a Thursday night home game. Cincinnati at home, Miami at home. So they've got games that that I think, no matter what, Nat, barring an, a, a serious injury of consequence, they're going to be favored probably in all the rest of their home games. It's a question. They got Pittsburgh and Arizona and Cincinnati on the road. The schedule is right there for them. Get to four and four at the halfway point and potentially you're going to breathe a little bit easier and and maybe have an outside shot at the playoffs.
0: Incidentally, Freddie Kitchens uh, said in his post-game presser he's kicking himself in the arse, which is... uh... (laughs) Uh, A physical achievement uh, I I certainly couldn't manage to do. So uh, at least uh, there's something there for Freddie. So the Rams take Sunday Night Football uh, and move to 3-0. and Not really an altogether fluent performance from them, but they will absolutely uh, take that with that record. Greg, I want to concentrate most of today's episode on the backup quarterback because let's face it, the backups don't get enough love generally. And it seems to be so far, 2019, the season of the backup. Ollie, our producer, has called this Backup Breakdown which you could take uh, in different <laughs> ways. Uh, I guess I like it because we did, of course, real deal or no deal last week. So we're going to roll in uh, a, a something every week to get Greg Brady waxing lyrical. Uh, and we're going to focus on the backups this week because they were so prominent, of course, in week three. Uh, and so many different characters, different stages of their career, different trajectory. You've got the young guns coming in, like Daniel Jones, most notably the New York Giants. Rookies uh, come in under immense amount of criticism when they drafted him was certainly the front office and nobody was buying him and here he is now after a sensational performance we'll get into that Mason Rudolph uh, coming in for Big Ben and Teddy Bridgewater for Drew Brees two playoff bound teams that might not be now well certainly in the case of of the students that looks pretty messy Jacoby Brissett to Kyle Allen stepping up so look a huge amount I want to get into here let's start with Daniel Jones and the New York Giants to put this into context for some of our listeners here's a guy who was drafted uh, seventh overall, uh, sorry, sixth overall by the New York Giants uh, when uh, they had a second pick later on in the round. And most uh, draft nicks and, and uh, experts in that particular field uh, didn't have him particularly high on any board. So the, the conclusion was that the Giants overreach for this guy. And he certainly wasn't um, a quarterback that was getting a huge amount of buzz uh, coming out of college. At, but they clearly knew what they were getting. They knew what they wanted. They knew that he was the right fit for them. Fast forward five or six months, and here he is thrust into the Giants team week three of the season, which probably wasn't the plan. They wanted him to sit down a little bit longer uh, and learn a bit more off Eli Manning, but not of the races in the first couple of weeks of the Giants. So they made the move, and what a debut it was.
1: Well, what a debut it was. And, Nat, I know you and me on Twitter, very responsible human beings. We would never, yeah. like, like, take a... A hot take if you will on draft night we are very patient we well I don't know about that but I I was with (laughs) everybody else I wasn't quite sure what the Giants were doing and and when you think succession plan in in any kind of professional sports I think the question most people were asking were Eli Manning wasn't going to you know magically profoundly find the fountain of youth between 2018 and 2019 so when you're in more the year of the quarterback in the draft in 2018 As talented as Saquon Barkley is, why not? Why not make your move then? Why not? You know, be proactive, be ready for for anything that can transpire with Eli Manning, knowing he's uh, as they say, he's not just on the back nine of his career. He's he's putting on the 18th hole. (laughs) That he's he's got. He doesn't need a wedge. He doesn't need a six iron. He's he's out there, man. He's just got one club left in the bag. (laughs) So to wait to wait and pass up on potentially Sam Darnold either of the Joshes, even if you want to experiment and grab Lamar Jackson, trade up and, and into somewhere late in the first round. Why this player? And why at this particular time when there were only, really, we only talked about Dwayne Haskins. We really did. Who Washington took 15th overall. Daniel Jones felt out of nowhere. But that's the past. The present now is we saw him, Daniel Jones score two rushing touchdowns that Eli Manning can't score. He can't get into the end zone and do exactly what Daniel Jones did at critical times to get the victory. Couple that with the accuracy. Couple that with the fact that we're forgetting. Odell Beckham Jr. leaves the Giants. No question. You're not as talented a receiving core. But Evan Engram, from the second he entered this league, a very good tight end. I won't be shocked if someday we're talking, you know, obviously we're in a post-Gronk universe now we might be talking about Evan Ingram as one of the best two tight ends in the sport in the next year or two. We really might. And he was fantastic yesterday. Obviously, a lot of yards after catch, if you will, on the 75-yard touchdown. But Sterling Shepard has turned into a fantastic number one receiver and is going to get more deep looks than he got when Odell Beckham Jr. was here. Sometimes change is good. And you're right. We were all very skeptical about Daniel Jones. And we, and we don't think of the Giants as this team that does dysfunctional things. Often the Jets do in their own city, state, and stadium. The Lions, the Browns. We know who the usual suspects are. The Dolphins, in the last fifteen years. We know who to question. The Raiders. I can keep going. But the Giants <laughs> weren't one of those teams really until the last couple of years. So this has to give their fans some relief that uh, a, their long national nightmare might not last terribly long with this quarterback.
0: It is really fascinating. To, it's easy to you know have twenty twenty hindsight revisionist. Uh, theories, But I remember the, the same principle applied with the Amari Cooper trade to the Cowboys, right? That everybody laughed that one out of town and said it's ridiculous. But it absolutely worked for the Cowboys in that situation in the sense that the deal made a lot of sense uh, if it played out. In other words, if Amari Cooper did what they needed him to and it became uh, a star receiver in that in that side and everybody had written him off far too quickly of course Amari Cooper's case mm-hmm. he was, you know an elite receiver not that long ago but people have got very short memories the point being that if they knew that was what they needed and the same principle here to a degree with Jones I know there are some extraordinarily bad reaches in the history of uh at the drafts and uh Al Davis of course notoriously uh was amongst uh, quite a few of those back when he uh, was running the Raiders but this didn't necessarily feel like that yeah sure they reached up but straight away I thought well the front office have obviously seen something about this player and in terms of the direction they want to go in under Shermer that means he's the right player for them even if loads and loads of draft nicks have him way down the first round into the second round because on merit on paper that's probably where he should be for this particular team in this situation that's the right fit and we see that so much in the NFL Greg that situation is almost everything that Prescott was a yeah. player that dropped down, nobody bought in, was in the right situation, the right time, the right place. And here he is now uh, about to be paid as one of the best quarterbacks in in the game. So I, I, I kind of get um, why he was uh, the, the pick was criticized. But at the same time, I was a little bit surprised, thinking, just wait and see a minute. This could be exactly what they did. Let's not get carried away here. His first start was sensational. You mentioned on the ground, two rushing touchdowns. He had two more in the air, 336 yards. And maybe most importantly of all, Greg, he masterminded a comeback. They were in a hole in this game, and he didn't blink and dug in and pulled them yeah. back into the game.
1: Yeah, really easy. You're right on the road and and without talking too long on my end of about Jones cuz uh, cuz I said a lot in the previous answer. We have to remember, it, I don't think it's ever been easier Nat, for quarterbacks to come in out of college and be difference makers right away. We used to Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions and sacks on a 3 and 13 Indianapolis team his first year. We've seen quarterbacks have their careers blow up for various reasons. Tim Couch, David Carr, Ryan Leaf, Sure, there might be, you know, whether it's a maturity issue or, or you get paid. Jamarcus Russell, who you, you, you were sort of pseudo referencing with the Raiders. There have been so many times and, and I could, we could, we could make a long list of teams that have not replaced, uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback or an all-pro quarterback. Buffalo's hoping, and I know we'll talk about him. Buffalo's hoping Josh Allen is the best hope to be the next Jim Kelly or even 80% of Jim Kelly. Miami's playing badly this year to hope that, that, you know, the quarterback coming out of Alabama is the next closest thing to what Dan Marino was. Dan Marino hasn't played a, a game in 19 years, but it takes forever sometimes for these franchises to find the true quarterback they're looking for. We we all can't be franchises that go far of right to Rodgers or Peyton Manning right to Andrew Luck with one year in between. Mm-hmm. Most franchises don't get that lucky. So this was it's one game, as you said, but it's a real positive step uh, for the Giants so far with Daniel Jones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The manner of the, the victory as well, galvanizing a pretty jaded Giants fan base. So a great start for him. What about Kyle Allen? Uh, what a performance he had in Carolina, who were very much in must-win territory. Of course, we were chatting to uh, uh, a beat writer on our radio show before the game last night, and mm-hmm. uh, he was saying, yeah, you know, if this game is lost and they go to 0-3, uh, that is probably the end of the road for Ron Rivera. It could be changed in the front office as well. And we know the stats at an 0-3 season uh, is pretty much all she wrote, uh, barring uh, a miracle. But Kyle Allen uh, has stepped up. Where Cam Newton looked totally out of, sorts, of course, the first couple of games of the season. Allen, the diametric opposite, went nineteen to twenty six, one hundred and forty four point four passer rating. Uh, it was uh, a, such a composed performance, uh, and the Carolina Panther season right back on track.
1: Well, and I'd absolutely forgot, um, and uh, you'll be forgiven if you did too, I forgot he even started a game at the end of last season uh, at did, New yeah. Orleans. Was, he did. Yeah, it was so, a nothing game. It was, but
0: yeah, to yeah. go down,
1: remember, the Saints were not playing Drew Brees. Brees had kind of um, decided to sit, get ready for the playoffs. Their seating was locked in. And Drew Brees, I think, also thought, well, I've, lo- I've also lost the MVP award to how hard Patrick Mahomes charged to take it away from Remember, there were people giving Drew Brees the MVP after seven, eight, nine weeks of the season. But he was good enough to go down. I know the Saints players played some backups. But I don't know how much we should have read into that because they – you're right, Kyle uh, Allen was accurate. It looked like their season off to a disastrous start, and it's going to go nowhere. And to me, Nat, this was by far the most wide-open division, the most Mm -hmm. wide-open division where it was really difficult. You could make the case for the AFC South – but I still think we would have looked and said, well, it's either the Colts or Texans. I, I do think it's either. And obviously, Jacksonville's uh, chances were hurt when Nick Foles was injured. Well, so we thought. Uh, I don't know that Gardner Minshew, the legend, will grow over the next 13 weeks. It's, <laughs> it might have been, uh, been a peak performance peak? last yeah. Thursday night. <laughs> either way, Carolina had an opportunity to do something here with an aging Matt Ryan, an aging Drew Brees, and what looked like a dysfunctional Tampa Bay. And they just sort of spit out that opportunity the first two weeks of the season. Now it seems back on track. And this, I don't think this is Tom Brady taking Drew Bledsoe's job in 2001. And I don't think Kyle Allen's gonna be Tom Brady, quite obviously. But they've got an interesting call to make. If Cam's not ready this week, and they play at the Texans this week, so you're facing, you know, you're facing JJ Watt. I I mean, there's no better test for a young quarterback than having him chase you around all day on the road. If Kyle Allen can look good come out of this, I, ron rivera said it yesterday uh cam newton's the, the quarterback when he's healthy but they'll have a really interesting call because what if cam can't get fully healthy the rest of this year they've got a reliable guy who who may have won two straight road games so it's really intriguing in uh in north carolina and charlotte with the carolina panthers right now
0: just to add uh, a final point on that uh, cam newton uh into a contract phase, I think, in this, uh, off season. So it's a critical year for him. And there is a very real chance yeah. that, uh, they could move on from Cam Newton, improbable as it sounds, <laughs> particularly, of course, if there uh, are serious injury concerns, I think there must be.
1: And I can't think of a more, I don't know how you felt. I'd like to get your feel for it, uh, cause I'm sure uh, all your listeners would have a diverse opinion. When he has his 2015, mm. when he's 15 and one, when he's an obvious MVP, and I know the Super Bowl didn't go well, but he was brilliant in the two playoff games, just a juggernaut of, of an offense, uh, offensive quarterback. The first two playoff games that year, they run into a very, very good defense with, with Denver and Vaughn Miller, and though we all would have taken Cam Newton's arm instead of Peyton Manning's arm in that game, it went so badly for the Panthers. Nat, can you have imagined having this conversation what? even just four years later with, a, with an MVP Cam Newton at age 26, and he hasn't won a playoff game since then, and now we're talking about him losing his job?
0: it was such a seminal season, wasn't it? It was in mean, a breakthrough season yeah. in all kinds of uh, ways for him. At the same time, it, it was a little bit like an inverse Eli Manning season for him where, you know, he was lights out during the regular season and uh, disappeared in the Super Bowl. Manning normally mediocre at best uh, during the regular season, but then saves uh, the best for, for the big show. And uh, it is, it is incredible. And I think particularly with the injury concerns that are uh, 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 quite deep seated around him now, um, it will be very, very, uh, If if Allen keeps playing, that's a difficult decision for the Panthers to make, but also difficult in terms of where Newton might bounce as a result of that. So, yeah, uh, watch that space. But the uh, Panthers definitely up and running. Uh, And then some uh, Christian McCaffrey once again, right? Oh, yeah. 153 yards and a score, 6.4 yards per attempt there. The Panthers are blowing the Cardinals away in the end, 38-20. to Kyler Murray, uh, a rude awakening uh, for him on his latest NFL start I want to go next to the Colts and Jacoby Brissett uh Greg because um uh, as I referenced at the top of the show the Colts were uh, a lot of people fancied them for another playoff berth uh, with Andrew Luck a generational quarterback Lux shocks everybody uh, by retiring so close to the start of the season and I think automatically we thought well there we go then that's the end of uh, the Colts realistic chances Uh, Brissett is serviceable he'll do okay uh, but it's going to be very difficult to see them contend with such a fall off uh, yeah. at the quarterback position. But at the moment, he is, um, well, he is uh, shutting uh, the skeptics and the haters up. Another solid performance at one point. He was completely on fire, ended up with over 300 yards again, a couple of touchdowns, didn't turn over the ball, uh, high completion rate as well. That's underpinned by uh, some decent running led uh, by Marlon Mack, the Colts. Squeak past the Falcons hmm. 27 24 and they're looking legit, aren't they?
1: Well, they are. And uh, I would have honestly, it's not uh, me revising history. Uh, and I, again, I know you've recorded in our more than decade uh, professional association, you've recorded every word I've said and, and you remember all my uh, mistakes <laughs> and terrible predictions. Uh, but I would have made a big statement at the start of the year if you'd asked me who my favorite backup was in the league. And this is before the Andrew Luck retirement. It would have either been Jacoby Brissett or it would have been Teddy Bridgewater. Right, okay. I, I mean, and I think Jacoby Brissett is showing that he's a pocket quarterback. We're like, this is not, you know, stereotypes aside, and stereotypes are sometimes based on things that we see via evidence and data, but he doesn't love to run the football. He likes to sit back and sling it, and he likes mm-hmm. to drop back and throw it, and he had three carries. I think he's had something like 13 or 14 carries in the three games this year combined, and there really hasn't been a, a, a real long uh, run for Jacoby Brissett, but he's a passer. And that's what Bill Belichick saw. Remember, he's on New England's team, but he's yep. blocked not only by Tom Brady, but he's blocked by Jimmy Garoppolo. And they had right. struggled for years uh, pre-Garoppolo and pre-Jacoby Brissett to find uh, a quarterback that had Tom Brady got down. They'd really gone from the Matt Castle year when Castle replaced Brady for the full season in 2008, and, yep. and they were still 11-5. and five, and I know Brady never hurt, but remember when he was suspended after the Deflategate controversy, Jacoby Brissett had to step in because Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, got hurt that season. So yeah. he's had a couple starts. He had 18 starts coming into this year. And I think the Colts have something here. Uh, it's why I would, I, it's why I picked them to win the division at the start of the season, even with the luck fallout, because this just felt like of all the teams Andrew Luck could retire from, or of all the starting quarterbacks to retire now. Let's face it, if, if Andrew Luck is Matthew Stafford, the Lions don't know what they're doing. If Philip Rivers retires, the Chargers don't know what they're doing. We could list 18 teams that, that don't have a clue what they would do. The Colts sort of had a contingency plan because Luck's been hurt so much the last two years and it's working out right now. Mm,
0: I really like your point on the style of player. He's, um, unashamedly unreconstructed, isn't he? He's, uh, old school in a, in a sea of option, new school, uh, crazy air-spread college lunacy that's coming out that is all across uh, the NFL right now. He is old school. I like that about him. I like that about him. Um, All right, so looking good for the Colts. Not so much uh, for, uh, well, based on what we saw last night for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was interesting because out of all the backups that were suddenly front and center, I think there was a lot of buzz about Mason Rudolph at the Steelers, Um, partly I think because of what was coming out of the camp and some of the veterans really talking up a good game and saying that they like him. Also, a really interesting theory surrounding the Minka Fitzpatrick deal, which uh, the Steelers gave up a first-round pick to the Dolphins. And Fitzpatrick, and uh, you and I obviously uh, have been, I think, uh, quite uh, pro-Fitzpatrick since he came into the league. He's a a hell of a player. But nevertheless, if uh, you look at the mathematics and, and the draft capital, he was, you know, a late-team-round, uh, early-20s-type pick. So the Steelers are effectively saying, we're going to be a playoff team. We're giving up a first-round pick. at That's the level we're anticipating, not we're the sky's going to fall in. Now Roethlisberger's gone down. So they obviously seem to be backing uh, Mason Rudolph uh, as well, but it didn't mm-hmm. work for him last night, did it?
1: I'll talk about Rudolph, but on the Fitzpatrick front, I didn't know what the Steelers were doing at first, and I gave it sort of a second. I, I'm not sure my second and third looks at what Pittsburgh were doing. Mm. It made any more sense, but uh, upon reflection, they they're, they must be playing the long game here, Nat, and they must have liked this player so much. You mentioned it. You know, he's coached by Nick Saban at Alabama. The, the you know, Alabama and Clemson are one and one a for college football powerhouses, and Alabama puts more players in uh, to the NFL than than Clemson does, at least for the time being. But, Nat, they must have loved this player so, so much that they thought Miami is selling everything. Miami is a, uh, as we call it in North America, a garage sale. Mm-hmm. So they're getting rid of everybody and everything uh, that's not bolted down. Let's get him not just for 2019, but let's get him for 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. and beyond. I, I think the commodity was so great, and they thought the price was reasonable enough that they must have also thought, well, here's a guy that's been in the league a couple of years. He's only 22 or, or a year and a half, I should say. Yeah. Better to get him now and not you know, risk a rival getting him. What if the Ravens get Minka Fitzpatrick? What if the Chargers do? What if the what if the Chiefs do? So I, I, I understood the logic there. Now, that's the positive of, of where Pittsburgh might go. The negative seems to be that, yeah, they had a load of opportunities to win that game against the 49ers and did not. You You do not lose too many times. When someone turns it over as much as San Francisco did, five turnovers, uh, the two interceptions, uh, the fumbles that were lost, one of which was Garoppolo, uh, one of which was R- Raheem Mostert, the running back, you have to take better advantage than that, and it's something Mason Rudolph, though I didn't think the pass pressure was tremendous for San Francisco, he just seemed to be under duress a good chunk of the game, and yeah, the, the James Conner fumble is the critical thing, um, but for Pittsburgh, it now looks like a lost season. To me, I know it's on the road, I know it's different time zones away, Nat, but that's the game. If you if you want to say go on with Cleveland and Baltimore and say we are in this division and and don't give up just because we've lost our our iconic uh, hall of fame quarterback, that was the one you had to grab yesterday. Now, you're fighting from behind. I will say Pittsburgh's got 5 of the next 6 games at home. Bengals, Ravens, Dolphins, Colts, Rams, similar to what I was saying with Cleveland. If they could somehow, some way, after eight games, after 10 games, get back to 500, they've given themselves a fighting chance, but lose one of the next two, it's probably not going to happen.
0: And if that happens, and if it is indeed a season to to write off, what does that mean for, for Mike Tomlin, you know, a Super Bowl winning coach in, in an organization that doesn't uh, change, like to change their head coaches very often? Of course, it's one of the things we love about uh, the Steelers, just the uh, the durability and the time that they give their head coaches. And we've seen this in, in Greg, of course, you cover so many different mm-hmm. sports, but you love uh, you love our football. And um, y- we see it time and time again, the teams that hold firm and don't make too many changes too often, as far as their coaches are concerned, are typically the teams that are the most successful over time. And the Steelers are, uh, you know, the poster boys for that. But do you think this might be enough already, as far as Mike Tomlin's tenure is concerned in Pittsburgh?
1: I could see, that's an interesting question. I, I could see a mutual parting of the ways, or at least it's scripted that way, and, and that's, uh, that's quite okay. Mike Tomlin doesn't have to explain to anybody that he's a good coach, and the Steelers don't have to explain to anybody. We're, uh, we're a really good franchise. We, we, we end up treating people the right way. We may even give them, given what happened last year with, with some of Antonio Brown, and, until it just became too much, and, and look at the hard stance they took on Levy and Bell. That's, the Cowboys would not have taken the stance on Levy and Bell, Though they're, I'm not saying the situation's exactly the same as Ezekiel Elliott, it's not. But Pittsburgh took a real hard line last year, and you're right. Three coaches, three head coaches since 1969: Chuck Noll, 342 games coach; Bill Cowher, 240 games coach; Mike Tomlin, 192 games coach. They all have a Super Bowl. So I, I think it's or all have uh, all have a Super Bowl title, and obviously Chuck Noll has multiple ones. So. I've got this theory, and it's an interesting one that, that, you know, can kick around, might kick around in your head for uh, a while after we broadcast, that if you left any starting quarterback and any head coach alone, regardless of win, loss, record, and circumstances, and gave them eight years, the results would often be better than continuing to change. Yeah. And we've yeah. talked about this in the AFC East, the, the Patriots. Sure. Patriots love the chaos of the yeah. Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, new coach, new quarterback. It's, it's, a, it's like a washer-dryer system for your clothes, just socks <laughs> tumbling around, and they're over and over again, and they lose each other. And New England has that one constant. <laughs> which is Belichick and Brady. So yeah. I could see Mike Tomlin not, not wanting to be part of something that rebuilt, but I could also see him digging in if Big Ben's mm. healthy or they want to go another route of quarterback saying, I- I'm all about the loyalty factor here, and I've had chances maybe to, to put my name out there before. I bet you Mike Tomlin's the coach next year, unless Pittsburgh just says this is finally now the time to tear it down and start some things over. But like I said, when they trade for Fitzpatrick, They're telling you they're not about to consider concede on on the seasons to come.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And Roethlisberger has said he's coming back uh, next season, uh, which is uh, a marked difference from uh, how he's been in a lot of uh, recent seasons over the last three or four years when uh, off-seasons when he's talked about maybe it's time to hang him up. So interesting times for Pittsburgh. But all is not lost, as you say. Put a run together and suddenly they're, what, you know, Three and four, five hundred, halfway through the season, and anything uh, is possible. Let's, um, have a quick line, uh, on a couple of the other backups, yeah. uh, front and center. Teddy Bridgewater, a much more, uh, composed performance from him. No surprise there, really. As you said, he was one of the, he is one of the better backups in, in the NFL. And I think, you know, what you get with him, uh, we, and Sean Payton faked us out sat a little bit, I think, going into the game, saying that, uh, he might, he had to have a de facto starter and, and Taysom Hill was going to see a lot of action, uh as well, but it was Bridgewater that got the majority of the snaps, of course. Thirty-three twenty-seven. It was a thriller against Seattle. Uh but the Saints win improved to two and one. What's your prognosis about New Orleans with Brees coming back at some point? Remember he's not out for the season in the same way Big Ben is. Um New Orleans gonna be okay, do you think?
1: Yeah, they look like the division winner there to me because Atlanta's been so inconsistent and we talked about Carolina's struggles earlier. Uh as much as Carolina sort of bounced things back uh a little bit. Bridgewater was very good What a clean game. No sacks, no no interceptions. He threw the ball away when he needed to. We can't forget that Seattle pass rush. It's, it's not what it once was. We're not talking Legion of Boom, but they do, I thought they rushed Bridgewater a fair bit. And, and, And again, Bridgewater's a guy that really only took off the one time to run. He had an 11 yard run and he had two carries for one yard, um, on the other carries. So Alvin Kamara was, was back in the 92 yards receiving. He might be. I think it's Christian McCaffrey and and everybody else. Alvin Kamara might make a case for, uh, as a dual threat back, the second best guy in the league. I mean, he had 161 yards combined, touchdown through the air, touchdown on the ground. I think New Orleans is going to hang in just fine. And I didn't have them as a playoff team, but I also didn't see some of the chaos happening with, with Cam Newton not being uh, healthy, not being ready to go. Didn't see, uh, you know, I, th- I think Philadelphia starting one and two. We would have locked them in for the playoffs. So uh, it, the NFC playoffs, as we said, AFC, you look like you knew who five of the six teams might be. The NFC, 11 teams probably could have been playoff teams. And, and you you'd shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, you, you can make the case for it. So love where New is at. That- He's uh, really
0: interesting. Actually, looking at some of the other contenders in the NFC, the Vikings getting things back on track with a win over uh, the Raiders and Boyd Cousins need uh, that afternoon. The Falcons, just a, a prototypical uh, of their season uh, so far, going down 27-24 uh, to the Colts. Uh, and uh, Matt Ryan looking lights out at times, mm-hmm. but throwing another pick at a crucial stage. They got the running game going a little bit more, but uh, not where they need it to be. Uh, and that's been a big problem for them uh, this season. Julio Jones stepping up again, but they've got this brilliant receiving core of him and Ridley and, and Sanu, but they're not uh, just not turning it on consistently enough. So uh, well. the Falcons are frustrating.
1: I think there's a lot of concern in Atlanta, and I, I when it goes for some quarterbacks, and again, lifetime uh, Dolphins fan, Dan Marino fan, you start to see it, though he'd have his moments, he'd have good game, bad game, good series, mm. bad series. Here's another one. We talked about Cam Newton. Uh, the, the spiral of Matt Ryan is concerning right now. He leads the league in interceptions after three games, asking him to do a lot. I wish they could ask him to do a little less and I know, five incompletions yesterday. So the quarterback rating's great. He's an 85% completion rate, but it's some of the passes he's hitting on a regular basis and, and even how he was most of last season. Uh, we saw his QBR shrink to, uh, I think it's the lowest level it had been in six years, and it's lower than that through three games this year. So I think they're going to get good games from Matt Ryan, Matt. But Atlanta would be well-served to do exactly what we've been talking about with some of these other franchises and it might be time for them to think about drafting his successor or trading for his successor. I know he's not even 35 yet, but when it goes, it can go quickly, and I'm worried it's going to go quickly with Matt Ryan here.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, Just a quick line on Josh Rosen and Luke Falk at Miami and and the Jets respectively. Rosen acquitted himself better out of the two, not really a high bar, because Falk was (laughs) uh, just a rabbit in the headlights, wasn't he? But uh, I guess the going into this, the rest of this season, the things I think starting to look a little bit brighter for Miami now they were competitive at the very least in the first half against the Cowboys the Cowboys running away with it in the second half 31-6 the, the final there but at least Rosen he, he, you know threw a, a strike to Devontae Parker mixed things up a bit Preston Williams their new uh, receiver getting in the mix as well and that's a bit more energy about them than they have had in previous weeks
1: there's there is that yeah um I don't love the 18 for 39 uh that's got to get tidied up a little bit but we've got to ask so much about Miami and and football is just this just this ultimate team sport you really do we were talking about Baker Mayfield and the offensive line struggles that they've had so Josh Rose is not and he wasn't last year obviously he's not being put in a great position to succeed just yet so he's tough to evaluate and yeah, it, you know, if they finish last overall, and that seems to be in essence almost the goal, they're going to draft a quarterback. They're going to draft Tua out of my, out of Alabama, and he's going to start Week One next season. So then, what is Josh Rosen giving you traded uh, for a quarterback? I is really tough quarterback to evaluate. But I'm sure he looks over at the other Josh in Buffalo, uh, in Josh Allen, and says, "I'd love to have that infrastructure. Right now, I'm not getting the chance to succeed." Uh, yeah,
0: indeed, he said, really, "Really difficult start to his career, but maybe it'll come good. Maybe it is the right place he needs to be right now as they uh, as they rebuild and develop, and maybe he's the guy to, to build around." Uh, quick line on the Antonio Brown, uh, the latest chapter in that yeah. story, Greg. Uh, things have have moved as we've been watching very closely from. Uh, odd to surreal, eccentric to quite sinister and unpleasant and uh and now he's out of New England uh, he's hit social media on Sunday morning in the states and after being quite graceful and uh, uh pragmatic about his exit from Foxborough initially um changed changed his tune quite significantly and is uh taking on everybody um out of the NFL for the time being out of the NFL for good do you think
1: I do I th- I think he's played his last NFL game. I think it would take a long time. It, it it won't be at any point this season, and I don't think it would even be at the start of next season. Um, and you know, we've talked uh, how easy it is, and, and uh, in the NFL, and look at the Colin Kaepernick situation, which has so many different layers to it and so many different uh, you know principles. But what can't be argued is is that NFL owners did not want Colin Kaepernick under certain circumstances in their training camp or on their football team we're talking about a more talented player at his position right now on this day that we speak at Antonio Brown, but it's, it's just no longer a football story. And, and I think he could have survived the Patriots and or stayed on the team and thrived yeah. um, without the revelation of, of text messages to uh, one of his accusers of, uh, of, of sexual assault slash harassment. I, I think the Patriots had a case that look, whatever happened in the past is in the past. And since he's been a Patriot, this is what he's done. that doesn't work when you're a New England patriot. They find out you've you've put this as you said sinister is the right word it's bang on. put this sinister uh, you know scenario at, at play to, to make a, a woman and or her children feel threatened. And New England didn't have a choice and I, I guess we're going to applaud them for making this choice right now, but I'm sure there's Patriots fans that uh, that felt a little dirty and and that happens in sports sometimes you're not sure you've got the best character player. But you you roll with the punches and, and hope that there can be some kind of rehabilitation or, or rejuvenation of their character. I think the Patriots realized right away, if they had problems eight, nine days into his tenure here, that it was going to get worse before it gets better. And, and it's too bad. It's too bad for the team, and it's too bad for some of his teammates who may have really enjoyed him as a person. But I, I don't think the conduct was defensible, and they had to do what they had to do.
0: Well said. I think – um the XFL, uh, and I'm not being facetious here, might be a realistic landing spot for him. You know, the Vince McMahon-backed uh, uh, alternative to the NFL. It's the kind of thing that they need a marquee signing if the uh, NFL teams won't touch him. It's uh, something I could conceivably see happening. It's not going to bother the Patriots significantly. As you say, they've lost a, a player who is irrespective of the off-the-field antics, one of the... Go for it, Greg. Right? Do you want to pick that up?
1: Well, I, th- I think Josh Gordon, that's really interesting that you bring that up because now look what happened last year. Josh Gordon wasn't a, a flash in the pan. He played 11 games there. They really need to make sure if he realizes this is his last chance at 28 and and so, so many struggles with, with I uh, think, staying healthy and staying away from from a substance abuse issue, I think for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, not, or even to get back and get past to Kansas City, now it's more prominent and more important than ever that Josh Gordon's part of the team. I'd say that.
0: Yeah, indeed, Josh Gordon, and that would—it's a very different story, of course, to uh, Antonio Brown, but a, a player who has uh, dealt with uh, adversity, and I think every neutral uh, watching the NFL would love to see him uh, on a Super Bowl-winning side. Uh, certainly, uh, playing at a high level once again. Uh, let's stay with the Patriots and stay with the AFC in general, Greg, because it's a, an interesting picture that is shaping up that the Patriots easing past the Jets, unsurprisingly. The scoreline a little bit deceptive, 30-14 to in the end. It doesn't really tell the story. New England were never in any kind of danger at all. And uh, a pick-six from Jarrett Stidham, who came on for Tom Brady, as they finally decided to to rest him and bench him, uh, made that scoreline a little bit more flattering for the Jets. But they keep rolling on in their defense. One of the best units in the NFL uh, right now stepping up uh, once again against a lackluster gang green at Kansas City. Baltimore lived up to the hype. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, another sensational performance, uh, from him. He seemingly got better, uh, than, uh, what we saw last season with his MVP. Uh, the career-defining year to date, another 300, high 300-yard 300 performance. Um, some absolute bullets fired around. It looked like they were going to run away with it, the Chiefs, but uh, credit to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They hung in there and, and had opportunities and some uh, head-scratching decisions as well, particularly uh, the gung-ho going for it on two points a couple of times, which uh, maybe cost them in terms of uh, momentum and, 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 I guess, strategy in terms of where that left them and how it left them chasing the game. But here we are. With the Patriots and the Chiefs quite uh, clearly uh, the strongest performers so far in the AFC, have we already got our AFC Championship game locked and loaded? Or is there an argument that another team might sneak in that we're not necessarily taking as seriously as we should?
1: Well, it would be a sneak. Like, So you're, a- you're answering your own question and you read my mind. They, this just feels like everybody else in the conference. So you can look at the Ravens, you can look at the three and zero Buffalo Bills. It feels like they're playing for the right to go to either Foxborough or Arrowhead and lose in mid January. And that's great. Those are those are big steps for some of those franchises, perhaps. But it just and I couldn't tell you where the game would be: New England or Kansas City. I, I don't think there's a clear and definitive uh, number one. But I'll tell you, they play December eighth in Foxborough. Kansas City at New England, a 425 Eastern time game, 925 UK time. And wouldn't that be fun? Whether you love either team or not, and a lot of people don't love the Patriots, wouldn't that be fun if they were both 12 and 0? What's better than that? Like right. it's, you're, you're laying it right out there yeah. on December the 8th. But, and I'll tell you, looking up the AFC, and I did this last night, so it's fresh in mind. There has not been an AFC title game rematch, Nat, in back-to-back years since John Elway played. You've wow. got to go back to 86-87 for those Denver-Cleveland games. First the drive, and then the fumble. Listeners our age will know what what I'm referring to, and and the, the Browns really never coming as close since then. Yeah. But that's hard to believe. For all the Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady years, it's hard to believe that the Steelers or Colts or even Broncos and Patriots Dodgers never well, met back-to-back. Yeah. But they haven't. Yeah.
0: That is extraordinary. Great. Firstly, props on the deep dive stat. Loving that work. Uh, e, look, we know home field advantage is, is instrumental, particularly when we're talking, or certainly about Arrowhead. And uh, and I'd argue in an AFC Championship game in the the deep depths of winter at Foxborough as well. But projecting ridiculously far ahead and uh, dismissing everybody else in the AFC, can you see? I can see the Chiefs beating the Patriots at Arrowhead. Can you see the Chiefs going into Foxborough in the AFC Championship game and winning this year?
1: Well, I can, but there's something about it depends if I'm going to that game or not, because I have this strange in-person thing, uh, and you and I experienced it in Minneapolis. I have been to every Belichick-Brady Super Bowl defeat, and I have never seen them win one. And I've even seen them lose (laughs) an AFC Divisional playoff to the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco there. So if I'm not at that game, Nat, the Patriots will (laughs) win and succeed, and the evil empire will continue to triumph. Uh, Darkness will... Well, This will be more the Empire Strikes Back than Return of the Jedi. If I am somehow at that game, or you and I are somehow at that game, Kansas City's a lot. The Patriots just don't win these huge games when I show up. The Eagles beat them in the Super Bowl, or Eli Manning beats them in the Super Bowl. It's uncanny.
0: Oh, that is well, great. I'll make sure <laughs> I'll, I will let the uh, the Patriots front office and organization know that in very important stat and make sure that you are kept, uh, that they keep well, you well away from it.
1: Well, the Patriots should pay me not to be there, Nat, and the Chiefs should pay me to be there. So I'll take the highest point. bidder. Whichever way that goes it's, it it, it's going to be a great game either way, but it makes for it, uh, you know, to be a capitalist this one time for me seems like the right move. <laughs>
0: Incidentally, on the Patriots, did you see Belichick with the death stare, that doing the rounds with the reporter? Did you see that clip?
1: Not a lot of fun. And we've been in the, I know you and I have been on that side of a, of a death stare. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, the Sir Alex Ferguson, there's been some Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho moments for interviewers that make them uncomfortable, but I wish he'd handle it any way but that. And if you can't say anything about Antonio Brown, just say that you can't. Just say that yeah. it's your choice not to. Tom Brady was on uh, a, a show in Boston just several hours ago, uh, as as uh, as I heard, and just said, I've got personal feelings about it, but I'm going to keep them to myself because they're yep. personal. That's easy. That's easy. Just, man, take the high road sometimes. And, and I wish Bill Belichick wouldn't behave that way. And, and it, it's just a no-win situation for everybody.
0: I, I guess in, in his defense, I wonder whether he was just kind of slightly zoning out. Because like she, she asked the question. He knocked it back. Uh, so she, a reporter asking a question about Antonio Brown, he knocks it back. And then she, as a flash, quick as a flash, said, thank you, coach. And then he just stayed and <laughs> hung there and stared at her with it. Yeah, a deep, dark glare. I don't want to ever play poker with a Belichick, that's for sure. But I was wondering whether he just drifted off for a moment. And I don't mean that in the sense that he could on a moment, but I mean, I just wonder whether he was just thinking about something else and was is there a follow-up question or oh, there's not? And, oh, okay, and whether he wasn't necessarily being as zagger. We'll tweet that out from our handle at the end of the show uh, and you can have a look at that. Make your own mind up about that. So just very quickly ending this point then, Greg, if we think it is uh, uh, likely to be a Chiefs-Patriot's AFC championship game and nothing is uh, leading us to believe anything different. Who are those contenders bubbling under Baltimore? I think acquitted themselves well so still uh, have to be in in that conversation, even if maybe some teams were getting a little bit carried away. The Colts are in that mix as well. Are the Texans going to be there or thereabouts?
1: Yeah, I I would. I mean, if you're asking who the the other four play, I had Jacksonville as the last wild card getting in. I thought it all could come together for them. I would rescind that pick now Mm -hmm. based on the Foles injury. Um, and I would certainly, and on the Jalen Ramsey's trade request, those two factors right there take Jacksonville out of the mix for me. Uh, I am not, I have not been pleased by the LA Chargers play. I think they need a really big next couple of weeks, uh, to show it. I didn't think they were going to win the division, that's for sure. And, and remember, they flirted with it the last couple of years with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback and even with Alex Smith at quarterback a couple of years ago. They were, they were playing around with the Chiefs a little bit, getting in their heads. I I need to see a lot more from the L.A. Chargers and the Buffalo Bills. Look, if they beat New England this weekend, that game's in Buffalo. Then the whole lid blows off, and there's a lot of Bills hype surrounding that team. But uh, I look and I go, who's the most likely to to unseat the master plan? Uh, to me, it's it's probably to me the Indianapolis Colts. I believe in Jacoby Brissett. I think they've got the roster. They'll get their home games at at home in a dome, quite obviously, at least that first week. But I think we agree they're going to have to go to Arrowhead or, uh, which again, people think nice weather. No, nah, not usually. Sometimes it's terrible in January there. And we all know it's going to be cold at Foxborough almost universally. So Indy's my team if, if neither of those two can make it. The
0: sleeper pit cracking work. If you want to follow Greg on Twitter, I should quite frankly, at Greg Brady TO. You see, I've got to write this week. <laughs> <I haven't> worked <laughs> with you for 12 years, but I got, it. there was an old Twitter handle back in the day, wasn't there? I wasn't imagining
1: that. So. I've changed maybe four times, not not for any other, not for security, not because of stalkers, for no other reason than uh, it keeps people on their toes like you, Nat. Ah, uh,
0: there you go. <laughs> That's the sole reason. Uh, the Twitter handle may have changed, but you haven't, my friend. Uh, still uh-huh. bringing the A-game. Uh, cracking work, Greg. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, we'll be checking in with you very soon. Enjoy the week. Fabulous stuff there, as ever, from Mr. Brady. We'll be hearing a lot from him throughout the course of the season, Mark my words. Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, me and I, Mike ben might drop by as well for a bit of college chat. Uh, and, of course, we'll get ready for week four of the NFL with our Friday show. That drops uh, around about lunchtime on a Friday, Saturday morning for our daily fantasy show with me and the OG, Ollie Geal. Lots of bonus video content as well that we're making uh, flying out over on the ESPN UK YouTube channel and on our social channels uh, as well at the NC Show one more thing, gang. If you haven't already, subscribe to us wherever you listen to us. A uh, big shout out to the Podbean guys. Actually, we're on the homepage of Podbean this week. We appreciate that. So thank you very much for the support and love. Subscribe to us and you won't miss an episode. And if you have time, you have 30 seconds, hop on to your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a nice review. It all helps put smiles on the faces of ESPN, the sponsors and everything. You get the drill by now. Right. Me and I might back Wednesday. We'll see you then. Bye for now.